It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest for this week, Andrew Friedman, the baseball president of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Andrew Friedman came on the scene for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, I don't know whether the devil raised then or not, I'm not sure, but it was the Tampa Bay uh, team and led them to the World Series 2008. A very small market, not just a small market team, very small market in terms of revenue, led them to the World Series and then got the job, dream job of, with the Dodgers, and he's done a terrific job with Los Angeles. Uh, they've been in the playoffs every year. They've won more games than anybody since he's been there, beginning in 2015. and. Uh, Finally got the monkey off their back. Uh, not his doing, but they hadn't won the World Series since 1988, which I covered. So, uh, yes, I'm old. Uh, but I appreciate Andrew Friedman joining us and uh, won the World Series with the Dodgers last year. So this is fantastic timing and, of course, had a big winter. Welcome, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, we really appreciate it. Uh, this is fantastic timing, not just because you're the World Series champion, but also you signed the uh, – the big fish, the big pitching fish of the winter in Trevor Bauer. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I mean, the day before he was signed, uh, we all thought he was, and it was a report, but we all kind of thought he was leaning toward the Mets. Um, were you feeling that way? Did you think um, you were going to lose him? And uh, did something turn the tide or did you disregard the reports and just uh, keep grinding it and, and get it done, thinking that you had a good shot all along? No, I mean, I uh, I went to bed that Thursday night thinking that we weren't going to get him. Um, woke up Friday morning still a little pessimistic. And as we started working through some conversations, I started to think, okay, there's a shot here. And that momentum kept building and ultimately resulted in us getting a deal done. But definitely went to bed the night before thinking it wasn't going to happen. 
Andrew, you guys have been very strategic since you've arrived uh, to the Dodgers organization in terms of trades and free agency. What what was the dialogue like between you and, and Trevor Bauer's representation? Uh, was it was it something that you guys looked at early on as as a target, or did it just kind of developed as the market developed? Yeah, I mean, I think from our standpoint, you know, going into the off season. The thing that was kind of front of mind for us was just pitching depth and how we were going to navigate what could potentially be 162 games in 21. Obviously, didn't know at that time. But just coming off the short season, expecting, you know, going back to the marathon and just, you know, just kind of worried about it. I think you are every year. This year felt a little more heightened. Um, And so for us, adding some pitching depth, was definitely front of mind. <clears throat> the good thing about the starting pitching that we have, it was a high bar. <laughs> and really in our mind, only Bauer kind of clipped that bar. Eclipsed that bar. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, we went months thinking that it wasn't going to happen. And, um, you know, for us, shorter term was the only way it was going to work. And I think he was of that mind, but was exploring different things. And, you know, had earned the right to get to free agency and just kind of vetting out everything. But so that led months of us not thinking that we were, and we were just going to kind of augment in different ways. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen when and to whom, but we're confident that things are going to pop up this year that to have as much in the way of reinforcements is only going to be that much more helpful. I'm curious, do you think or know what, what turned the tide? Because, you know, the Mets had offered a little bit more, close, same ballpark, but a little bit more. And the tax situation in California is probably no better than New York. I mean, I'd heard early on that he might prefer Southern California since he is from that area. But uh, it seemed like he was leaning toward the Mets. Uh, are you that great a salesman or did he just appreciate going to the champion? Or what do you think it was? Yes, that great of a salesman. He also bought a 1992 <laughs> Buick from me. Uh, no, I think you know. I mean, I think he had two really good situations and spots. I think, you know, being from the area as a kid growing up, going to Dodger Stadium and watching the Dodgers play, yeah, I think that kind of nostalgic piece is something that it's not nothing in these things. And, um, you know, but it's obviously a better question for him. Andrew, one of the things I think that uh, comes up when you're talking about Trevor Bauer is that uh, sometimes he can be a little bit of a lightning rod. Was there any conversation about that prior to him inking the deal with you guys? Or or are you of the mindset that, you know, he's going to be able to handle his business as he always has, even in a place like Los Angeles? No, I mean, you know, there's a couple different things. So, yes, we did talk to him uh Quite a few times, um, and near the end, Stan Caston and I got on a call with him. And you know, I, I think if for nothing else than to talk and open the lines of communication and let our thoughts be known, let his thoughts be known, understand kind of the mindset because so many things that happen, oftentimes we are making assumptions of what's going on, and so it's digging in on that and getting to know the person better. And, you know, he talked about how everything he does in life is with a purpose and very goal oriented. And 
social media was an area that he was not doing that. And he got challenged on it by someone on his team and that really resonated with him. And, you know, there's a lot in that that we have to untangle and some of which I think has been unfair, some of which I think was a real mistake um, by Trevor. And, you know, I think the most important thing is the fact that we've addressed it and now it's a looking forward thing. It's when and if does it pop up going forward and how is it handled? And also, is it a distraction to his teammates and to our chances of winning? That part, we felt like the answer was no, um, as much as we could. And now the other parts are not nothing at all, and they're very real. But we're cautiously optimistic that we're going to be able to navigate it. And, you know, Trevor's talked about a partnership, and we view it similarly. And, you know, we've got some work to do. But as long as we stay connected as we do it, you know, it increases the chances of it playing out in a favorable way for everybody. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been there now for a couple of weeks. So I'm wondering... Um how it's working out so far. You look great on the mound. I'm sure you were pleased by that, but uh, how it's working out so far. And if, if any part of the concern now looking at your rotation, you've mentioned you had to reach a high bar to sign somebody. So there weren't going to be that many pitchers who would fit, but um, the bar is so high. I'm looking at it. You know, you have probably the best pitcher of the last 50 years in Kershaw and who, who was very good last year. And you have Bueller, who is one of the best young pitchers in the game. I mean, he might be the number three starter, even though he won the Cy Young last year. Uh, he is the newcomer there, so maybe I'm assuming more than I should, but to me, it looks like he could be the number three starter. If so, do you think that would bother him? And, you know, I mean, looking forward, do you, do you have any concerns at all? about? I mean, all these great players have egos, but uh, it could be an unusual situation where you have a Cy Young uh, pitcher not being your opening day starter. No, I think, uh, you know, we've talked to each of the guys and we'll continue to. And I think, you know, the really good thing about our group <clears throat> is how committed and focused they are on winning. And I talked to a number of our guys before we signed Bauer and they couldn't have been more all in um, and excited about it um, and just how it strengthens uh, our pitching staff and, you know, and getting through the marathon that is the regular season and hopefully setting us up as best we can uh, if we're fortunate enough to make it into October. So the conversations have been really good. We're going to continue to communicate, uh, share any and all information as things are coming up. Um, you know, from Walker's standpoint, you know, he has been kind of a notorious slow starter. And so tweak some stuff this offseason. I think from his standpoint, he's just going to be thrilled to – take the ball at the beginning of the year and feel good and strong. Um, and, you know, Kirsch has been awesome. Bueller so far has been really, really good. Uh, just the work, the curiosity, uh, the way he is challenging our training staff and pitching group, but with thoughtful things. And he's actually been a really good listener and, you know, hearing things and offering good takes and, you know, already kind of helped some of our younger guys. Um, and so, you know, so far uh, it's, it's been really good and our pitchers are in a good headspace right now. And hopefully we, we can navigate this next month where we do open the season uh, with a log jam because that's a good problem to have. And 
as you guys know uh, full well, it's hard to get through spring training with nothing popping up. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Freeman, president of baseball operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers, joins us here on Big Time Baseball. And Andrew, uh, you look across, or you look down south a little bit, and you you got a little bit of a budding rivalry uh, with the San Diego Padres. When you, when you look at their off season, as you sit. Uh, over there uh, in the front office, uh, were were any of those moves that the Padres made that did that have your attention? Is is that a reason to go out other than the reasons you mentioned about depth and things of that nature to go out and add to a, a team that just won a World Series? You know, we've uh, been really impressed by what they've done uh, over the years, and you know they were really good last year. You could argue top two, three four team in all of baseball. Um, they were a really good team and <clears throat> not surprising that they were aggressive to try to augment and, and make themselves better. But our mindset, I mean, we're pretty intrinsically motivated and we want to win. We want to win a world series and repeat. And the fact that they're this much better is only a good thing. I think Justin Turner said it where it feels like we're going to have, you know, 19 playoff games throughout the regular season with them, which will be fun and, you know, good for baseball and something that, uh, that we're looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, you guys really want to repeat and uh, now your payroll is up to somewhere around $240 million. I think something like that. Um, a little more, but a little more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not an accountant. Um, you know, uh, obviously, working with an owner is kind of a big part of your job. I mean, how did this come about? It seems like most of the other teams, the big market teams, have really been cognizant of that threshold, the uh, two hundred ten million, I believe, threshold. And um, you know, you weren't going to get to be under it uh, with it. I mean, you you got under it somehow uh, one of those years, and uh, it took a lot three of years in a row. Fan- yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I sure changed you. I knew you, it took some fancy footwork and. Uh, you were able to do it. It was kind of amazing. Um, so, so that helps you. I think that helps you uh, be over now. H- how was it to to get the okay to do this at a time where your payroll was already over the threshold uh, in terms of the owner, Mark Walter, who I might add is a Northwestern guy, so I respect that. Um, so, how is it working with him, and uh, how was that uh, conversation like to to get the okay for the? I know, I man, you've tried in the past for. Scherzer and for uh, Cole and uh, certainly to keep Granky uh, Harper. Uh, this one you got done, but uh, you know he, you you made some big efforts in the past to do it. But what was the conversation like to get the okay to go ahead and do this deal? Yeah, I mean my six and a half years here, I have not had one conversation with Mark where <clears throat> he isn't incredibly supportive of doing what we can to win. Um, that has been incredibly consistent throughout you know i also think part of his mindset and part of what's probably made him successful in life is he likes to zig when others zag and anticipate what's going on in the market and you know where we are right now is not a sustainable level but we don't ever view our payroll in any one moment in time and so what we've done the previous three years matters what we will do in the next two three four years matters it's kind of all you know, baked in together and, you know, moves we don't make one year benefit our future selves. Moves we do make now, you know, kind of hinder our future selves. And, you know, just getting into that, you know, the the cost of 
different moves and the impact on the now versus the future. Um, you know, he, as much as he wants to do everything we can to win right now, as evidenced by Bauer and kind of where our payroll is, he also, and not that he gets in the weeds on who they are, but, you know, asks a lot of questions and wants to know how our pipeline's doing and, you know, the young players we have coming and, you know, being able to sustain this is something that's also uh, equally important to him as well as, as myself. Andrew, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, you you were one of the first to come out of, of the small market raise organization and uh, have a chance at a much bigger uh, a bank account, I guess you will, to work with. Talk about some of the th- the philosophy that you've brought uh, at your when as with your time in, in in Tampa that you've been able to bring to LA in a market that is much bigger and and have a little more tools to your disposal. Yeah, I mean that you know just kind of rewinding six and a half years. I mean that was part of you know why I took the job and you know had. Uh, you know, kind of had turned down some things in the past and, you know, really felt like uh, with ownership and Matt Silverman, just a group we had in place in Tampa that I was going to be there forever. And it kind of got into a place in 2014 where I started to feel a little complacent and that scared me. Um, Never want to feel that way. And now I don't know if it's actually what it was or not, but regardless, it was the idea of just throwing myself in the deep end. Um, you know, what we were doing with the Rays was incredibly rewarding and fulfilling and difficult, but had kind of gotten into a little bit of autopilot. It took, you know, throwing me in the deep end and saying, now go figure it out because I had no idea what the CBT was or how it really worked. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, how to allocate resources on a more limited budget, had a really good feel on a bigger budget, you know, how not to overcorrect and spend too quickly and tie up your future self in a way that, you know, we've seen this a lot with large market teams that have success. They kind of then get to a point where they fall off a cliff and have to work and build their way back up. You know, we're looking to avoid that. And so we're definitely better today than we were six years ago. I mean, we're better today than we were a year ago. And hopefully we're better next year than we are right now. And I think our mindset is to continue to grow and learn and get better. Um, and, you know, from our standpoint, it's about doing everything we can to maximize the now without total disregard for the future. And I feel like we've been able to kind of walk that line so far. Yeah, I mean, your team looks fantastic on paper right now. Uh, but you mentioned uh, that at 240 or 250 million, whatever your payroll is, um, that it's not sustainable uh, forever. Um, the interesting thing right now, one of the interesting things in spring training is the five great shortstops uh, who will be free agents after the year. You have Corey Seager, but there's also Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Javier Baez, and Francisco Lindor. I mean, everybody's got a different story, no pun intended. Um, Baez, I think the Cubs are already talking or will be soon. Uh, the Mets are going to talk to Lindor starting next week. Uh, story, I don't think um, Colorado has any chance. That's just me talking, not you. But uh, and Correa, uh, we'll see. Uh, Seager, you know, I asked you sometime in the last couple of weeks because I was going to do a MLB Network hit about the five shortstops, uh, what your chances were. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about that now. I think your answer to me was just by text. So of course, 
Uh, it wasn't very in-depth, but it was certainly understandable. I think you said, uh, who's his agent, uh, which we know is Scott Boris. Uh, that certainly uh, makes it difficult with a year to go f- before free agency. Now, Seeger's obviously uh, had his ups and downs. He's had some injury years and uh, may not have had opportunities or to sign him in the past. And now you've got him with a year to go. And uh, the timing is good for him because, uh, and, and for you, I mean, you won the World Series, th- part, thanks in part to him. Uh, he was so great last year in the playoffs against great pitching in the LCS and in the World Series. Um, so, I mean, what are your goals in, in terms of uh, uh, Corey Seager? I mean, he's also a guy who, you know, these shortstops don't last forever. He's a good enough hitter that he can play another position too. So uh, that also helps him. But, uh, you know, you said you, it's not sustainable forever the, in terms of the payroll. Uh, do you have hopes to try to get something done before he's a free agent? Yeah, I mean, my text response is kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek because it's hard, it's hard to comment on – that specifically. I mean, I can say that, you know, we love Siegs and, you know, he's been a big part of what we've done looking back uh, to his credit. He has handled the questions about the future perfectly where, you know, his take is I'm focusing on today and tomorrow and doing everything I can to help us win another championship. And that's exactly the mindset you would want. Uh, My hope is that he is, you know, a big part of our future success as well. You know, time will tell on that, um, but, uh, you know, we're kind of focused on the now as it relates to that, and then we'll kind of figure out how to navigate going forward once we get there. Andrew, speaking of, of, winning, uh, speaking of winning another championship, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do in our game is, is repeat as champions. Ha- have you and Doc, manager Dave Roberts, had a chance to sit down and talk about, like, how do you avoid what everybody else seems to fall into a trap of? And that's getting it, getting off to a slow start and not ending up back into in a world series again. Yeah. We spent a lot of time this winter talking about it. Um, You know, also talked to some teams and tried to get some cautionary tales of things that um, have happened to other teams. And, you know, I think so much of it is, you know, the mindset, and I guess I couldn't believe more strongly in our guys in terms of the way they prepare, how much they care. You know, we have a really, really special group in that regard. That being said, you know, we had this bloody shirt that we all kind of rallied around, which was to win a championship, and then we did it. And so the question then is, you know, what's the reaction after it? What I've seen so far has been awesome. Uh, zero complacency. Uh, And I think, you know, we went from being the hunter to now the hunted, but I think it's trying to flip that mindset and we're still the hunter. We are the hunter hunting for the 2021 championship. And, you know, I think that, you know, we have the group that can kind of stay focused on that and and pull that off. And, uh, you know, the one benefit from, you know, the strange year, and I don't think it would matter. I think our guys would still be, equally as focused and driven, but we didn't get the opportunity to have the full out celebration and the parade, the things that like create memories for a lifetime that I think, you know, is still something that's front of mind for a lot of our guys to go out and do again and hopefully have an opportunity to do that at the end of the 21 season. Um, so I think our guys are in a really good headspace on all this. It's definitely something that's front of mind and, you know, Doc has 
talk to it on a daily basis and um, you know, we feel as good as we can with where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird, weird year all around. And uh, you know, looking at your championship uh, last year, um, I give you extra credit for grinding it out through the pandemic, having that extra layer of playoffs. I mean, you were a playoff team, whether they had four teams or 16, well, however many teams made, eight teams, uh, your t- team was a playoff team anyway. So that that's kind of a hindrance for you. And you ended up playing uh, the best team in the American League, your old team, the Rays, and uh, you won it. And uh, you, you got through it and you won the championship. Some people will say, well, you know, it wasn't a real season. It was only 60 games or I don't know what else. But I, uh, I want to ask you about that. Uh, do you ever you hear any of that stuff? And also, uh, you know, I lived in L.A. for a few years. People have the perception it's very laid back. It's not. I mean, people were chomping at the bit for this championship and getting pretty upset about the fact it took a while. And, and to go through it for this many years with great teams – uh, and even before you got there, uh, with really good teams, um, how is it received in LA? I mean, maybe it's hard to tell because we're all inside still a lot of the time. Um, how is it received uh, in LA? And and, and actually, and it's, again, I give you guys credit for grinding it through, getting through that extra round of playoffs, playing the best team, and still winning. Um, but how do you feel like it's it's the championship is perceived in LA and outside of LA? Yeah, I'm going to do my best to answer that. I feel like there were like 12 good questions. <laughs> there were. There were. Fair enough. I'm going to try to do my best here. Um, yeah, obviously I'm biased, but I feel like it was even more special. I think just the difficulty that everyone in the world was confronting last year on so many different fronts. And for us to navigate that, you know, the 60-game season is only really relevant if a team got in that you would argue otherwise wouldn't have. But I feel like our talent level, whether the, game, the season was 40 games, 60 games, 162, or 250 games, made the playoffs. And then once you get in, we had to win more playoff games than anyone's ever had to win in the history of baseball to win a championship. And so from that standpoint, it's incredibly meaningful. Um, you know, like you said, you know, things have still been closed down enough where it's hard to really get a feel for the city, but the videos and the messages and stuff after we won, like there's one that has, it's like a montage of a bunch of clips of fans sending in their reaction to the last out. And like, I got goosebumps and emotional watching it. Like the just joy and excitement and like the, like overcome with joy and like the emotions of a whole family celebrating, it was awesome. And, you know, that's why we are so driven and focused on on doing this is exactly moments like that. And to see this, I don't know, two and a half, three minute video kind of capturing all of that was really special for me. Andrew, two two questions for me. One, was there ever any real worry that you may lose Justin Turner in free agent free agency? And second, uh, how what is what is Kenley Jansen stats? How do you feel about how he's come into camp this year? Yeah, um, with JT, you know, I think anytime you go into an offseason and a free agent situation, and the player's ideal preference is to come back, and the team's ideal preference is for the player to come back, it more often than not works out, but it's far from a hundred percent. And right. So there were definitely times throughout the winter where 
we were uh, a little more nervous or concerned than other times. And, you know, from our standpoint, we were trying to balance uh, on a very fine line of doing our work and due diligence and checking in on trades and free agents to be in position for if he went elsewhere. But, you know, we told him, hey, take your time, bet the market. If anything pops on our end, we'll come to you. You're not going to read about something. Just handling him with the respect that we feel like he deserves. Um, and fortunate on our end, nothing ever got that close. And on his end, you know, he was able to kind of see his process through. And as much as they wanted to return, I think they were able to do it with even clearer eyes um, and more information and feeling even better about it, which I think is a win for everybody. You know, I want to ask you about uh, that rotation. Uh, sorry, Kinley. Uh, oh, sorry. Kinley is in a really good spot. He uh, He's really, really focused. He came one pitch away the other day from an immaculate inning. Um, he is very driven. And, you know, I personally think a lot of the Kinley stuff is he's a victim of his past success. Like, he's still well above average. And too much, they're just comparing it to that, like, two, three, four-year run where, you know, he was on like a Mariano pace. Um, and so he's still a really good reliever. Um, and I wouldn't bet against him getting back to those levels. But even if he doesn't, it is a very additive part of our team. Very good. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm glad you got the answer on Kenley. I, I agree with you 100%. And I think he was a little unlucky in one of those games. Uh, uh, games was, was a game four. Uh, where he gave up that hit, but uh, I think Kenley is still terrific. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about that rotation. Um, now it seems very deep with Bauer in there as well. Um, is, is Urias, he was so good in relief. I mean, I guess we use a baseball term. He's, he's got big stones. You know, he's almost a, a, a guy who could be the closer uh, too if you need Can you define stones? <laughs> got a big heart. He's got a very large heart, more than yeah, 11 yeah. ounces, very large. Um, you know, he could be a closer if you needed him to, and I, but I agree with you on Kenley. Um, and then you've got Dustin May, who throws uh, 99, 100 miles an hour with movement, and you've got Gonsolin. Um, I guess you could send May back to the minors, I, I, or he could be in the bullpen. How, how do you feel like you're, if all are healthy? I mean, obviously the top three are Cy Young candidates to begin with, and uh, how do you work out? four and five if everybody's healthy yeah you didn't even mention david price which is a good thing oh my about. god i'm sorry you're yeah, of course i love david i love david price so you, yeah, you that's really before starting pitching depth when people recite it they leave someone off like that's when you know that's good as good as you can <laughs> um you know so much happens in spring training we don't know exactly how things are going to play out all we know is we're going to need all seven of those guys, including Tony Gonsolin, who you didn't mention either, um, who was awesome last year. We're going to need all these guys to take down starts and be a real part of what we do in the regular season. And then I imagine all of them contributing in the postseason. And so for us, it's just how do we navigate that? And so much of that is what does the world look like on April 1 when we open up in terms of health and where guys are. And so – We'll keep working through it. We'll keep communicating with our guys and do everything we can to put all of them in the best position for themselves and also for us to go out and win games. 
Right. What does the world like look like? That is a big question for all of us. But uh, the Dodgers world, it looks uh, fantastic. You've done a great job in six plus years that you've been there, Andrew. And I really appreciate yeah. the time that you've given us. Uh, you know, it's almost unfair asking that question about getting the monkey off your back because 2017, a lot of people would consider you the champions. Obviously, we know what happened with Houston and uh, we didn't get into that today, but uh, we stayed on. There were a lot of topics <laughs> to talk about. Uh, with Brad Bauer coming in and Turner coming back and Kenley Jansen, all the great players you have. So, but you've given us a half an hour, and I really appreciate that, Andrew. Uh, terrific job here and terrific job with the Dodgers as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. Tony, thanks, man. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Our pleasure. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.